Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we're glad we didn't jump as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 141st episode in the series, The Bloom is Off the Rose. Fun times. The uh, instantaneous image I get of this one, of course, is is, uh, Rose and Miles are ready to jump out of a plane. And every time... I am surprised by <laughs> the reference you just made in the intro for the last line. I, I, I'm I like surprised that Rose doesn't jump. Like in my mind, I forget every single time because I want Jump out of an airplane. <laughs> to be skydiving. Yeah. You mean actually jump out of an airplane? <laughs> Poor Miles doesn't know what he's getting into. <laughs> for real. But what's funny is like, I forget, you know, I forget the like all of the stories because there's technically like three stories here um the main one the a one being rose and miles i would say the the b is definitely rex like the absolute number one a-hole as listed in our you know worst villain of the uh the golden girls but um number three of being the uh you know sophia just being on dorothy's back yet again with the call and radio show for mothers and daughters the dark side (laughs) Yeah, the lunar landing puzzle. <laughs> I like how I just said A, B, and number three. Oh my god! Yeah, I feel like, I feel like Buzz and Home Alone. Um, <laughs> Buzz is here too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, I am. Um, so one thing I thought Rex, um, who as you mentioned was our number one worst villain, I thought that came a lot earlier in the series. Actually, yeah. Right. Um. And I don't know, maybe Blanche is a little bit vulnerable after meeting her dead husband's ghost or whatever. But um, I just, I feel like, and you know, this can happen to anyone at any time. It's not meant to be like, I can't believe this would happen to her, but it's just a little bit like, I feel like we've seen her kind of come up against this challenge that she gets all of her self-worth from men and like often from men who don't deserve her or don't respect her or, you know, any of that. And it's, um this is obviously the worst manifestation of that but um I don't know I guess like in my in my mind I just thought it came earlier when Blanche is less sort of developed and less sort of um I don't know like self-aware or whatever you know it just it seems a little bit like the growth we've seen from her um doesn't quite add up to this but obviously like you know you can't it's not all cumulative some of it is is gotta be uh it's a sitcom so it's kind of sort of restart well yeah i think the writers as we've mentioned a few times like you know they're definitely they're experimenting with new stories they've covered a lot of ground right so it's like this is digging deeper we've seen an abusive relationship with jeremy in a different way but it wasn't with any of our four you know main main squeezes here um but I will say, you know, I, it might also be interesting commentary about how, you know, almost anyone can get sort of trapped in an abusive relationship because emotions, yeah. emotions are really powerful. And, you know, it's it's so interesting that, you know, Dorothy is talking about like the hold that he has over her and like this, this like, it's, you know, we see as the viewer, like there's there's absolutely nothing redeemable about this guy, even when he does his like sweet side, you know? 
where he's like, hey, come on, I'll take you out and we'll do all yeah. this and everything's <laughs> forgiven, you know? I mean, so even you're just like, yeah, you're not even laying it on enough that you need to lay it on to like try to redeem yourself. No, I'm not but, buying it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's an interesting point, right? Because, you know, I mean, emotions are all chemicals in your brain and body and like a lot of times, and, and particularly in abusive relationships, like you can't see the forest for the trees when you're on the inside of it. And it does take a good friend and community, you know, such as Dorothy um, at all to make you realize it. Right. And like Blanche, in fact, has her sort of epiphany about this, which is again, a nice wrap up in 22 minutes with a sitcom, because like, that's, you know, it takes like usually an average of multiple, uh, you know, attempts to leave an abusive relationship um, than just like a quick out the door. But the reason, you know, the epiphany that Blanche has is because she sees it reflected in her friend, like almost like a, 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 you know, like inverting the, okay, I'm on the outside, almost imagining that like Dorothy is in a relationship with Rex. You know what I mean? Like she's seeing it. And people always say that too, of like, hey, what what advice would you give your friend about this problem? Oh, look, give it to yourself, you know? (laughs) It's right really, exactly yeah it's easier to look outside so so i i think it's interesting right it, it could be you know blanche does wax and wane as do as do all the girls as do all people when we grow when it's not a straight trajectory but i also think it's it's interesting commentary that blanche could be so self-aware and so fully formed based on what we've seen over the you know past like nearly six complete seasons of worth and still sort of fall prey to to this dude yeah, and I think um I wish that this was in the Kaluchi book. It's not because I think the the Dorothy resolution at the end is actually really powerful and also Dorothy's story about like having gone through it herself and like I think the depiction while obviously condensed and sort of like laundered in a way is pretty realistic of like the arc of a of an abusive relationship. You know, like even from the very beginning like Blanche doing his laundry, which is like an easy example but you know yeah. like people often do things that are so far outside of their normal personality or their normal behavior and right. like to their friends it's like oh that's initially I think it's like oh that's sort of weird but I guess like everybody kind of acts a little strange when they get into new relationships but then like <laughs> you know it kind of unravels and he's just like so mean to her in front of them which is yeah. also I think really important to show because I don't know that it even necessarily matters, frankly, if he gets physically abusive when no one's there. But like what we are seeing as the audience and what they're seeing as her friends is presumably better than whatever goes on behind closed doors. So I think there is a little yes, bit of like yeah. implication there of that, which, again, like I think is a really um, just like a real sort of understanding i think of the situation that often people often find themselves in when they're in abusive relationships um so i think that's that's a good good move yeah yeah that's a really good point and it's also like scary in this particular case because he is such a dick like in in front of people you gotta wonder what he's actually like behind the scenes whereas i feel like a lot of abusers are extremely charismatic and in fact go out of their way to sort of charm uh the community of their um their partners because you know they know that they'll be like oh he's a good guy oh whatever you know all of that shit um yeah 
so another point about trusting your friends but jesus christ um or i mean uh, trusting yourself <laughs> even if your friends are making excuses but thankfully it's not the case here like dorothy sees and picks up those red flags right away which yeah again dorothy kicks ass it's amazing i i mean i fucking love the the resolution i think it's amazing where she goes i think she's getting burned enough as it is like when he's like you want to light a fire under oh god it's so good it's like oh. <laughs> it's just like it, inject it, that it right is. into my veins man <laughs> it is because like dorothy's in a real pickle because it is in some ways like one you know this has come up a couple times on this podcast and a lot of times in life of like yeah. When you don't like your friends, someone your friend is dating, there's a real sort of internal conversation that needs to happen, I think, of like, do I not like this person because I don't like them or because they're annoying or because yeah. they're not good for my friend or because they're bad? And I think, like, it's pretty quickly revealed in this in this instance, but, like, it's hard. And Dorothy does try to have a conversation with Blanche, and she's not hearing it. Yeah. So. Like, she's in a real, like, there's not really much she can do. And so the, the when the situation presents itself for her to, like, hurry Step her in. along, you know, and she, like, oh, refuses yeah. it. Yeah, it's, like, a real, it's just, like, such a, a testament to her character that she's, like, I'm put in this position, like, not by my own choosing. Like, you showed up to take her out on a date, but I'm not gonna, I'm not yeah, gonna waver, you know, like, it, it's very strong. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I, yeah. I feel, oh, it's so, um, it's so funny where you're talking about how, like, she just sort of takes this opportunity, right? Where <laughs> he says that comment. And then it, it's like, I mean, oh, God, it, I am Dorothy, but it totally reminds me of me of like, you're chomping at the bit to say something. You're not saying it because it's like impolite or your friend has told you not to, but then like this little window emerges and you're just like, you gotta take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just she really is like she it's almost like she's just waiting there for him to walk into that situation and she gets in his face and it's fucking great <laughs> yeah and i i think it's interesting i guess like sort of what i was talking about um and thinking this episode comes earlier is like blanche has to see it and it's just it's like elliot all over like exactly yes, yeah, <laughs> almost right. you know but you're the other right. way of like totally. now like dorothy you know like who's distrusting who and it's like that's I think that's also another piece that is um, needs to be there on the sitcom so people can sort of see it for themselves. But I guess, like, to your point about trusting your friends, so often in life, like, that doesn't happen. And you don't actually yeah. get to witness it. So you, you have to just decide who you believe. Um, and that, I think, is really makes the situation much more difficult. When if you see it for yourself, it's like, okay, now it's also clear. But, um, you know, that doesn't always happen yeah exactly exactly it's you know, it's so interesting you bring up elliot because i i you know it's like it's exactly the like you know manhandling type of situation right where it's actually pretty scary um and but like maybe that is the build of you know because it's now blanche and not not a more familiar situation to blanche where she thinks somebody else is jealous right like that's way more familiar <laughs> because most of right. the time women are jealous of her <laughs> right but this is like you know somehow she i mean i i don't know what do you think of like Blanche? like it seems that blanche's character the way she is seeing herself inside this abusive relationship is that like any challenge to the relationship is making blanche feel that like 
because she's hold, held this guy on a pedestal. Do you think it's sort of like the challenge of the relationship is like making her feel that like she somehow isn't a match for him or isn't worthy because his whole shtick is like keeping her wanting more, right? Like a typical abuser. Um, like what? What is the what is the crux of why Blanche is so mad? Do you think it's like she she at her core kind of understands that she's in the wrong, but she's so compelled by this guy? Do you think like her femininity is being challenged? Like I'm just trying to yeah. figure out what her why she's mad. Yeah, I I mean I think it's a combination of those things, and I think that like Blanche, like you know, she's so confident, and even though there's some insecurities in there for sure like for the most part like sexuality and um like femininity and and these qualities that like really sort of carry her I think and make up so much of her sort of self-worth they come from an externally but I do think she's got a very strong like sense of self a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um and she doesn't in this episode and I think it's a defense mechanism to be honest like I think she's so feeling so insecure and in a way that is so unfamiliar to her because it's so sort of all-encompassing rather than like the sort of little bit of insecurity that everybody has that she masks so well I think she's just feeling like a little like like Dorothy says like truly like a little girl who's like unworthy and insecure and like I feel I like I don't know for for me I feel like the times that I felt the worst in terms of like insecurity and unsure of myself and like not sure how to present was like when I was a teenager and so like I I like snap back to like middle school you know and like yeah yeah. you can feel like that as an adult woman and that all as an adult anyone really and I think that puts you even in a worse place because you're like oh my god like I why do I feel this way? Like, this must be a me thing. Like I'm what's going on with me. And like, I don't know that she's even necessarily connecting the dots that like, it's because of the way Rex is treating her because she holds him up so high that she's like getting all of her sort of um, like, she's getting every sort of morsel of self-confidence that she can get when he says these like quote unquote nice things to her um, because he's cut her down so much, which again, I think is like, how abusers often operate is like they yeah, take these like people textbook. who seem so strong right and like you think their confidence can't be shaken and I also think that's a that's a a good reason that the writers chose Blanche because yeah. um she does in some ways seem the most sort of susceptible because she's so impressed by like you know status and and sort of like charisma and things that like we can assume Rex presented when they met you know like so so I don't know I'm making some inferences here I guess but um I think that's kind of I think it's mostly like self-defense and sort of like self-loathing almost that's coming out yeah in all of these crazy ways that her friends yeah and you're right I mean the it's because she she doesn't know that that insecurity is coming from him it's just presenting it's just like rising up right so she's just trying to suppress it in any way she can she can't draw the direct line between him making her feel that way until she sees what an actual asshole he is reflected in her friend and not for her but i think that that's that's the scariest part of emotions and abusive relationships because you can't actually really see what a person's doing to you and that's that i think also the whole behind closed doors thing you were talking about before too is like man you know you could present one way completely and then there's these little tiny things that people can do to chip away at your self-esteem 
mostly, you know, in a private environment and like they can be so small and inconsequential that like you don't even notice them, you know? I mean, and, and, and Rex obviously is a more outsized caricature as we've said for sure. We have to cram it into this, uh, this short, short block of time, but no, you know, it's like, even just like little things like, Oh, she always does this, you know, like just that, oh, that kind yeah. of complaint, right. Where you're just like taken by itself. Maybe it's like a guy having a bad day and he's like frustrated and like every partner has something that their partner, you know, their other partner is like, Oh my God, they always do, you know, like that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> but like, there's, there is a subtle difference, right? I mean, a very big difference, but subtle in terms of like having the emotional intelligence to recognize it um, from the outside, especially too, right? So, but I think that that's why Dorothy's so key here is because she can pick up on those really subtle things. She understands people and it, granted that whole like, you know, light a fire under all whatever comes later. But, you know, we already see the scene of him where he's like, oh, you know, I'm tired, you know, I'll break the date, but you already broke a date. You know, you're so many, so many hours late. He's like, well, don't, don't nag me. You know, I mean, like all of that stuff, those are like, once you can recognize it, it really perks your ears up. Right. So I think that that's why it's really important that Dorothy is there and that everybody sort of keeps their ear out <laughs> for their friends. Yeah, because like you said, it's so packaged like in this way. But, um, you know, like thinking about how you would do this in, or how you would witness this in real life, it's like the beach party. When he comes together for the beach party, I think that's actually like the worst yeah, because he's worst just one. like so mean for no – I mean, all of it is for no reason. But when well, he's, yeah. like, but he's like, you're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. Right. Like that's the cutting part of like, you're going to look like an idiot and you did this to yourself and it's your fault. Like, I think that is sort of the sort of like the crux of the whole thing is like, he's making her believe that it's her fault that she feels this way. And like, even when she's like, am I fat? Like, which is, you know, so stupid in so many ways, but like that whole bit is like that, I guess, Blanche actually, I think, is confident about her body and her looks. Like, I don't think that that is, like, a masked thing, even the way that, like, I think her femininity and sexuality are sometimes, like, inflated. Like, I think she genuinely likes the way she looks. And so, like, he's cutting everything, like, from from the things she feels best about to, I'm sure, the things she feels worst about. Um, And that's what happens. And I think you're right. Like, it's often these subtle, like, interactions that are far apart from each other and like yeah right like there, there's a gap between right and that, that's right the whole, like that's the whole like bring her back to your side situation right but the clues are there to your point like i think dorothy picking up on them and also being able to um to relate to them in a way that's like i don't know maybe seems it, it definitely sounds bad but i i feel like her story sounds a little more um like it was like a little bit more of a fling although i guess i don't know how long you mean Dorothy's story? Blanche have been doing. yeah yeah um right. but i just think any sort of bit that you can relate to somebody on that like you have to kind of throw it out there and it doesn't work right like blanche is so defensive and she's not like she's not hearing it but i think again like that just makes dorothy such a good friend that she's willing yeah. to make herself vulnerable even knowing Blanche and knowing that it's probably not going to land, but like, yeah, she has to try. But it's not going to land then, right? Like, I think, again, I think it takes so many attempts to sort of make someone see <laughs> a situation right. that they're in 
so you it's not really like a one and done like if you you know if you truly believe that someone's in trouble like there's you just kind of have to keep at it and figure out what to do and this situation doesn't even like take into account abusive situations that where it's like dependent on a house or depend you know cohabitation situation kids involved finances all of that stuff the reasons that abusive you know people get to continue to abuse because people are forced to stay because they have no escape mechanism so it's right. really messed up but but yes. yes this is a little microcosm of it and i'm i'm happy that they show it over the course of the entire episode <laughs> and just like i it's just it's really fascinating because rex again like you mentioned before you're like i don't know maybe he's charismatic or rich or status or something we don't see any of that right we just see this dickhead yeah. um he well, has tall. a boat i guess right <laughs> yeah i guess he has a boat and he's tall like there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes say no more but, say no more but um but yeah but it's like the there are there have been so many dudes that are just duds you know that dan blanche has dated um or all of them really dated over the the course of this series but um but yeah this is just this is just another level but like if he wasn't abusive it could just be one of those things where like dorothy and rose and sophia are like yeah whatever i don't know what you see in this guy but sure sure fine <laughs> right exactly yeah do his uh laundry farm with bleak bleak <laughs> oh my gosh so anyway um yeah i mean i that's you know really really i think it's really interesting just to wrap up the abusive story i, lo I love that they she actually calls it like this is like dorothy is like how can you take this kind of abuse you know, this is no laughing matter. And like, it's like, when you use that word, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. You know, like that's, um, it's really interesting. Uh, like my, my husband is in a situation with a friend where it's like, it, have they had a conversation about basically like, you know, that word is intense. Right. And often I think we grow up also, and this is any kind of abuse, right? This is like verbal abuse or just emotional abuse, physical abuse, all of that stuff. Um, and the same with assault, right? Where you're just like, and sexual assault and, and such, people think of it as so black and white, but it's absolutely like there are gray areas, meaning that it doesn't, like you don't have to actually have like penetrative sex with someone to rape them you know what i mean like there, there's all there's all of this kind of like very specific stuff that we grow up with thinking about the intensity of these situations but the bottom line is like you're being abused if like they're you you can say it's abuse even if it's like you know because she's she basically blanche even says like he never laid a hand on me right and she's just right. like she doesn't think of it that way and she doesn't think of even even if Rex wasn't as much of a dick as he was, he could still be emotionally abusing her if every day he was saying like, oh, you're going to be embarrassed or like you always do this. Right. Like there's so this is the whole like subtlety of it. Right. Where it's just like, oh, well, he doesn't he doesn't say that much. He doesn't do this. The bottom line is like someone making you feel like shit about yourself. Like that's probably they're abusing you. Like, emotionally, right. You know what I mean? It's like they, and it doesn't have to be in these extreme depictions, you know? And and Rex could be a total fucking charmer in front of everyone and still say these things and still make Blanche feel bad about herself. It still checks out. He's not a good guy. Like, get out of that relationship. So I think that that's the other thing, too, is, like, the presentation of... They're obviously making a point here with emotional abuse, and then it, you know, goes into physical abuse at the end with Dorothy. Right. Um, but... I think it's really important to just always like listen to the, the signals that you're, you know, 
like <laughs> do you feel bad in this relationship it's not a good one get out you know like that kind of thing you always have to sort of check with yourself because a lot of people just sort of go through the motions i think the same thing goes for friendship as well so yeah um, no and yeah. i think i think that is like such a good point because I think one, there's been a, a bit of a shift in terms of like society sort of accepting that abuse isn't always physical, but is still bad and like still deserves to be addressed. Um, I mean, not quite because I definitely think there's still people who are like, well, he doesn't hit me, so it's fine. Right. But like, I think there's a, a general sort of a movement um, to understand that there are many different forms of abuse. And yeah, like, if your partner or anybody is constantly making you feel bad in any way, like embarrassed or sad or like, you know, like your self-worth is being, whatever it is. And that's the other piece of like, that's a gray area of like, it's not always them just like cutting you down so directly. Sometimes it's like subtle or, you know, like even like they're taking, like financial abuse is the thing you know like there's all of these things that like it's a very nuanced um yeah. spectrum sort of or like and i think a way to make you second guess yourself right exactly like, and like so i think that? yeah and that's why i think blanche has so much trouble sort of like reconciling with that and i think there's also like a shame and like another layer of embarrassment that comes with being like oh I'm, i am in this situation you know so i think like all of that together, it's understandable, totally understandable, I think, from Blanche's perspective, like, why, like, how she found herself there, and, like, why she can't get out, whatever, and I think, like, what's maybe even a little bit more difficult is, like, the risk that Dorothy, or not difficult, but I want to shine a light on a little bit, is the risk that Dorothy's taking by having these conversations, and, like, trusting that Blanche will eventually come around is huge, because, like, People have ended friendships over this and like, you know, or like bigger relationships as well. And like, that's a real testament, I think, to Dorothy's character that she's willing to put this relationship that is so precious to her on the line to save her friend. And like, that is not something that everybody would do. So I think like Dorothy is really, truly like, you know, the hero of this episode, I think. Yeah. And entirely selfless to your point. I didn't even think about that, that like, you know, total friendship ruiner <laughs> you know especially like you were saying before of like when somebody comes comes at your partner essentially right like enough to speak up about it not enough to just be like ah eh, your partner's kind of a dud but you know, but enough to be like no this is a big problem so yeah they're bad <laughs> yeah exactly which of course you know was covered in the the jeremy episode right do you think i should say anything and they're like yes you should say something this is really bad right and that was the same situation blanche found herself in like am i gonna lose my daughter over this you know which is a big deal right so, totally really interesting Woof. all right so, all right let's talk about we, miles we thimbles, and talk about thimbles? <laughs> yeah you could put in a thimble well most people I know just... about thimbles <laughs> That's not mine. That one's not mine. That one's not mine. <laughs> I tell that down at the Thimble Museum. <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. Um, I you know, we I think we joked about this last uh send-off, but like I really love the Rose exasperation here, you know, um, especially because Rose's interests tend to lie in what other people would think are absolutely boring and inane. <laughs> So the yeah. fact that Miles has pushed her to this point is hysterical. And I just love her like, and then we have four hours of the most boring that you've ever had in your life. 
four hours <laughs> i know it's like well i guess it could be short if i wasn't playing hard to get it's so funny to me oh my god like that they have these little like sex games where like rose pretends to be coy and like <laughs> it's hysterical to me hard to oh, get yeah god. but also the <laughs> yeah but the four hours thing um totally reminds me of the you know 56 boyfriends and like you know had sex at, you know every morning and every night <laughs> just like roses hidden like extreme sex life it's so great yeah <laughs> people who talk about it aren't doing it very often right that's like <laughs> yeah thing. that's been my experience <laughs> oh boy but i think you know they, i i like this storyline because again like talking about we we explore two um you know factions of long-term relationships here where it's like yeah, there is one where you have to sort of spice things up a little. It might not get nearly as boring as like Thimble Museum, although I do think that's kind of cool. I feel like it's like uh, it would be on like Atlas Obscura, you know, just like what are the weirdest, <laughs> craziest museums of like niche interests <laughs> across the states? <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's just it's a relatable thing. You got to you got to spice it up a little when you're in a long term relationship. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, this is so similar to, I feel like, when Miles is being cheap. Um, yeah. And true. I, you know, I wonder if this brings up something that is, I don't know, maybe a little bit lighter to, like, widowhood of, like, yeah. inflating your dead partners in, in all the ways. And it's kind of the way that, like, I feel like kids view their parents a lot of, like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, in a good way of, like, they always did this, they always did that. But, like, realistically like you know i'm sure charlie and they were together for so long there's no way it wasn't boring boring it especially like at some point um but it's just it's actually i think it's kind of nice um it's not nice to compare your living boyfriend to your dead husband whom you're like putting on you know like a, a a pedestal of um Oh, yeah. I don't know, just like, you know, it, it's easy to adore somebody unconditionally who's dead, especially, I think, when you adore them in life, but with, I'm sure, like, some caveats. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know, I feel like that's a little bit of what's going on here. Um, And I really, you know, I love Miles. I love Miles also standing up for himself, being like, listen, I don't want to be compared to Paul yeah. Newman, like. <laughs> yeah, I certainly, yeah, exactly. I love that. And I make a better salad dressing. <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> which i don't know about that i, I think, like paul i like newman's own <laughs> I, I do too but i'm sure miles doesn't have preservatives in his um true just by nature of a mass-produced product nothing against you paul um but i think yeah that they're exploring this very particular nuance of it something that everyone can relate to who has been in a long-term relationship which is the boring factor but then something very specific to this age bracket which is this competition with a deceased spouse and i always i always thought that was so interesting when your partner passes away and you get into a new relationship because you're sort of like you you have to and you know again we've we've covered this so much in the show which is so relevant of just like you're kind of holding these two you know relationships in your hands and like it, it's almost it's funny for for people who believe in the afterlife i think it's so funny because on this show they mentioned so many times of like reuniting in heaven and obviously sophia the catholic mentions it the most and we actually see her daydreams of like going on the clouds <laughs> meeting god and sal and everything right but it's like 
Sophia as a character doesn't have that like sort of second love situation um, where I, it's so funny. This actually, this conversation makes me think of like the, a tweet or a meme or something that I saw about Titanic. And they were just like, imagine being Rose's husband where you like, grow up with her get married have children and grandchildren and then when you get to heaven she ditches you for a guy she knew three days on a boat one time (laughs) it's hysterical so just like thinking of that of the complications right of just like okay you're you are in this weird way always in some sort of subtle competition for lack of a better term but obviously rose is taking it to the extreme here by like verbally mentioning it and being like, well, he would have done that. He would have done that kind of thing. And, and to your point, I love that Miles is like, knock it off. <laughs> Can we just be Yeah. Together? Also, Miles has a dead wife. You don't see him talking about her all the time. <laughs> exactly. Well, they'd do it in the mud if they have to. Yeah. yeah. Um... Well, I think like it is, it's also nice because like, you know, when Sophia and um, Alvin or Sophia and even Tony start talking about their deceased spouses it's like nice and it's cute and everybody's sort of on board with it and i think miles because he's such a good guy is like obviously fine with rose is like oh i did this with charlie like whatever i don't think he's got any hang-ups about that but i think he's he's really and i imagine this is so complicated like how do you be in love with two people when one is deceased and one is alive and like how do you keep that sort of like and people do it like um there's a great um there's a great book called uh, Terrible Thanks for Asking. And um, the writer, Nora McInerney, also has a, a podcast of the same name where, like, she basically lost a husband pretty young. And now she's with this guy who she's been with for a long time at this point, And, like, she talks about it. Like, it's really – it's weird also to, like, carry this memory and, like, this love and have this other new love and, like, not and, – and basically want to keep them at the same time, you know? And, and, and I imagine that's really complicated um, at any age. And especially when it's so easy to sort of idolize your the spouse that's passed because like at this point it's been a, some time for Rose so it's probably a little bit easier to talk about with um, joy rather than you know like present grief and and I don't know I just I feel I feel for Miles in this because like it's really hard and I think Rose is not doing anything maliciously but um, I I think he does a good job being like listen I I. I don't want to be compared to this. I'm going to lose every time also. like, Yeah, I think that's a, that's interesting. Yeah, the I'm going to lose every time thing, not even just like personality-wise, but just like he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's already on a pedestal. We're not going to think of cut him down or anything. So I think it's great. And I like the epiphany that, you know, like he helps Rose come to the fact that she was exaggerating by way of just trying to make things more exciting, you know? Um and I do love that, you know, Miles gets his little bravado kick and jumps out of the plane. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really I love cool. it. It's a good, it's a good, yeah, it's a good, like, wrap up of everything. And then, of course, the boy, am I glad I didn't jump line that I said. I always forget <laughs> that Rose didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's and, really, like, not a, not a great skydiving really experience. <laughs> oh, for real. Oh, my God. Too funny. Um but uh, I guess, yeah, I guess the first time you go skydiving, you're just, you're allowed to just be strapped to somebody else's back. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you it's obviously they're just shown just by themselves, which would not happen. But uh, you, I guess it's too complicated of a story to, um, <laughs> to include the injury of the other guy. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, anyway um but yeah i think you know the only other you know the the sort of c story here uh of like 
you know, the joke going around the teacher's lounge. <laughs> Which I love, like, you know what the joke was? Me. I know that joke. <laughs> this is another, you know, just like this is, again, the writing is just like these pointed pieces of just Sophia being mean for no reason you know just like kind of right. picking on Dorothy for no reason which is like really it's grinding it's irritating even as a viewer you're just like come on leave her alone you know um so I you know I I do I do enjoy the jokes about um the uh you know like the puzzle and just like the boring sort of staying at home thing because <laughs> You know, it's just like, am I the only one in, in the other episode where she's like, am I the only one that thinks diagramming sentences is fun? Like, you know, like her ex like orgasmic cry over finishing the puzzle is like exactly what you would think Dorothy is and everybody else is like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the Sea of Tranquility bit. I um, personally, I don't have yeah, the patience for great. jigsaw puzzles. I really wish I did, but I can imagine how great it is when you like finish one of them um and also totally. like you gotta have hobbies man <laughs> yeah i know it's like a little exactly kid. exactly i um actually love the it says here ages eight to 80 i'm out i always i love this because as a little kid they always like shit always said that and it was trying to be like a funny marketing ploy but i always remember as a kid being like but what if you're older than them <laughs> yeah no i agree like, that was me, such a me weird feeling thing. like bad for the old people i know right <laughs> and people they still do it it's very very strange but less so now because well one people are living longer but two <laughs> two it is probably very insulting you know kids like worried about their grandmas they want to play with them yeah a big market for puzzles for older people i imagine <laughs> oh for sure oh my god um but yeah it is it does take a certain type of person and it is like this comical you know it, it is a it's like the staying in and reading right you know it's like buried in a book and like that's the it's supposed to be some sort of insult to people whereas Dorothy's like no this is actually like a great evening for me <laughs> which like yeah it's you don't always have to see people and it's not like Dorothy's like a, some crazy introvert like she just she does go out they do a lot of things but I think it's really funny it's like the the show does rely on the the, the sort of trope of that this is like these are the classic boring things that people with no social life do um whereas like you know i mean i don't know sophia's like knitting a bunch of times and rose stays home and like there's there's other things going on but it, it's just really funny to me there was like a um one time my friend in high school was and we were like puzzle and board game people in high school i never like drank or did any drugs in high school but my friend um did uh was dating this guy who was like a really big pothead and we were all at my house one evening like after high school and um we were doing a puzzle <laughs> his mom called him <laughs> he had to like go in the other room and like argue with her because she would not believe that he was like at someone's house doing a puzzle it sounded, sounded like the biggest <laughs> joke and she's like no really where are you you know and he's like i swear to god this of course before he could like facetime her or like send her a photo but it was like funny <laughs> Yeah, I just remember him convincing her, and I was like, "Wow, you have a different kind of life than I do." Um, anyway, Blanche, Blanche v. Dorothy, there, I guess. Yeah, totally. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't really have much else for this. Um, I think I think the only thing we didn't mention from the Rex storyline is where Blanche actually, when she snaps out of it, goes, "That's a promise I, I'm going to see you keep." When he like threatens to not, you know, show up anymore. Um, I think that's a really good line. <laughs> 
Yeah. The only other thing I have, um, switching gears a bit, is that Sophia has that like nudie man symbol that she like that <laughs> she flips oh, yeah. it over. <laughs> when you turn it upside That's down. That's great. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, little head is so good. <laughs> any access to like low grade pornography is like absolutely. she's after it you know <laughs> absolutely oh my god so funny i just love that she like kind of has a conversation and then in the moment she's like yeah i'm gonna keep this one for myself yeah <laughs> oh my god please. oh beautiful awesome well that was a fun one um i mean not fun but then also fun thank goodness we talked about the terrible storyline first <laughs> I yeah yeah another plug for the villains list because the villains list is fun and makes you know takes these really dark situations and uh we're really uh we really did a great job with it and um uh wicker good memes who is an instagram I love that. Account we really that did we really did we really a did really a good, good job, job with it um and we got some illustrations from wicker good memes which if you're not following this instagram account yeah. you must um but anyway i just you know i love to plug our stuff because this is a really good one and i think that we got it right with rex i guess is also the point like he's the worst yes exactly exactly yeah so the the title is all the golden girls villains ranked uh you can find out enough or enoughwicker.com or anywhere on google or bing or wherever you do your searches oh yes i'll be tweeting it <laughs> if we still have twitter i have oh, to, <laughs> always perfect. a disclaimer as of as of as of the uh the launch of this episode yes exactly <laughs> awesome well join us next time when we're going to discuss bending over backwards and being on your own mantle <laughs> take care everybody <laughs>